Hi, my name is Kevin McQuillan, and the following pre-recorded conversations are my attempt to make sense of the human experience through the practice of yoga. I hope you enjoy. I'm going to shape the practice. That's what this is about. So good morning. I'm going to shape the practice in front of you. The practice will be about 60 minutes. I'll explain the focus of the practice, what I'm focusing on and why. And that's the attempt here. And I have a lot to say this morning, as you can tell. <laughs> this is the third part of a series I've been putting together. And uh, I like to do that in my teaching. You know, I'll just talk about relevant things that have been um, relevant to me. I'll put it that way. I don't know if they're relevant to you. We'll see. Uh, but the idea is that uh, you attempt to make sense of this conversation, make it real in your life. And so this is the third part. And uh, the first part was around complaints. Complaints and why we, why, we can, 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 why we complain is the best way of putting it. And what you complain about, that's interesting too to notice. What you complain about and why are you complaining about those things. Sometimes we can complain to gather and gain attention from people. That's the second series of these classes. So we, can, we complain in the attempt to seek attention from other people. And the third part, this part, is about boundaries and how important boundaries are and established boundaries, which is a very complex topic. There's many parts that make up this concept around boundaries. If we're bound less, that's how we can lead, lead ourselves into trouble and being the troublemaker where we can complain and looking to extract things from other people that we're not giving ourselves. That's the tendency. Or we're boundless and stirring up trouble. <laughs> and we're quite good at that. And it's worth pausing sometimes to notice how much of a troublemaker you are and how you stir things up sometimes in your life and why you're doing that. And oftentimes it's because we feel like we're not getting something from ourselves and other people. And that's challenging. And so when it comes to um, boundaries, I'm going to attempt to simplify this as best I can this morning. Uh, so hopefully it comes across as a coherent explanation of boundaries. First and foremost, the focus of this class is on the base of your throat, the base of your throat down here. We have a tendency of holding ourselves back in this area. We hold ourselves back and can't express and specifically can't express our love. And so we, we can constrict and hold ourselves back in this area of our body. If you expand out from the base of your throat more here, upper chest, it's where we hold this experience of feeling undeserving, undeserving. And that's also up on the board, undeserving specifically of nurturing. And so if you can compound these experiences where we hold ourselves back, we don't express our love and feel like we don't deserve nurturing, that's a hell of a combination to work through. And it can often cap us off here. So this is disconnected from this. And that's the tendency. This thing, the head, <laughs> is often disconnected to the body. And this is one way we do it. We cut it off here. Nope, don't say that. You can't say this. You don't deserve this. Uh, I won't say what I need to say. I won't share my boundaries with people. I'll just let them guess and see how that goes. They should know if they love me. Like these kinds of things that we say, 
which is a recipe for disaster, always, all of the time. And so if we're not expressing, we're expressionless. And the problem with being expressionless, people don't get to know you, really. They get to see you and attempt to make sense of you. But you have less of an influence. And the idea is to influence how people see you. And to have that view, it's like, yeah, this is me and this is how I want you to see me. This is what I'm about. I want you to know me. And the best way to know me is if I'm telling you who I am. And that's the influence that we have to make. And sometimes we miss that opportunity and it creates some conflict in relationships, often. And so on the top side of the board, remaining vague is the inability to establish healthy boundaries. The inability. And so for vague, shapeless, unbound. And we are in various different ways of our life. We're shapeless. We don't have the, um, you could say the shape, but the distinctions around certain parts of our life. And you could say, okay, where is that? It could be, I don't know, around finances. It could be around the way in which you feed yourself. It could be the way in which you exercise, how you communicate, your work, your career, your lifestyle. There's all sorts of areas in our life where we can be vague and we're undefined in some ways. And that's where we typically struggle. And so if you notice your life and where you're struggling and you are somewhere, that's for sure, you're just undefined. You're vague about that particular topic. And if you can see it that way, it's like, oh, okay, I'm just vague. I'm shapeless. I don't have much distinctions in this area. And that's why I'm suffering. And maybe if I create some greater clarity here, I'll suffer less. You'll still suffer, but hopefully less. That's the idea. <laughs> Left consistently exposed and braced for failure when we're unbound and shapeless. And just think about that. Bracing for failure. And that's how it can be at times. Braced for failure. And what that can do to our psyche, the work that can do to our self-confidence, our self-respect, our trust, and so on and so forth. Because we're exposed. It's where we're weak is another way of putting it. Where we're shapeless and unbound. We're weak. And we'll blow out where we're weakest. That's the tendency. Ignorance and carelessness contribute to misguided and most unfortunate decisions. So I'm just working through distinctions here. <laughs> so ignorance and carelessness can lead us into poor decision making. You ever made some poor decisions? <laughs> yes, we all have many. And we'll make many more as it goes. And that's what can happen when we are vague about something. We're making poor decisions. We're kind of floundering and flailing about. And that can lead us into catastrophes. That's the tendency. Where you undermine your trust, erode your self-respect, and end up perpetuating the loss of self. No trust, no self-respect. You'll stop believing in yourself around that particular area of your life. And if that's the case, we'll, we'll start avoiding it. We'll start avoiding it, avoiding it and avoiding it. And paying less attention to it because it's too much. It's too difficult. It's too unpleasant. And that's where we start reaching out to other people. Tell me what to do because I don't know what to do for myself. I don't know how to take care of myself. And we get dependent. And people, some people can lead us down the wrong path. I can imagine that's happened to you a few times in your life. 
you listen to somebody's advice. I'm not saying it was, you know, some ill will attached to it, but I imagine that advice took you off your course in some ways and you had to course correct at some point. With no moral compass, no access to your personal needs, you disintegrate. And if you've ever witnessed somebody self-disintegrate, collapse into themselves, if that's ever occurred to you, which I imagine it has in some way, some fashion, it was deeply unpleasant, where you just fell apart, collapsed in on, inside of yourself, or witnessed somebody do that, disintegrate. And as we disintegrate, Sometimes we don't have the capacity to put ourselves back together. And that's a problem. And more in the extreme cases, we make more and more poor decisions. Or we pull away from people. We become the shut-in, get addicted to substances, end up taking our own life. That's how we can disintegrate. And that's not happening less, it's actually happening more, which is horrifying. You become embittered and resentful while your quality of life suffers. Embittered and resentful, oof. You don't have to look any farther than you, you the individual. You're already embittered, you're already resentful. You've been around too long enough not to be. <laughs> and who's the target, you could ask yourself. Well, it's you, you're the target and some other people in your life too. We don't go very far without a target. And so if it's not us, it's somebody else. And that's just something to consider, that you always have a target, somebody to blame for who you are and the quality of life that you have. I don't know, maybe it's your family. I don't know, maybe it's a brother or a sister, or your parent, or I don't know, whatever, a friend, a boss, your neighbor, uh, whatever, stupid neighbor. I don't know, the government, I don't know, whatever. It goes on and on and on. And so we become embittered and resentful. And that is where we can suffer and continue to perpetuate the suffering. And that's how we can continue to be boundless and shapeless in various different ways. And it's a weakened state, and we know that. It's very difficult to get out of that and to strengthen ourselves. And the attempt on the yoga mat is to do such a thing, is to define yourself. It's way beyond just doing some physical practice, these postures. It's like, what's the symbolism and what's the meaning? What are, the, what are you practicing, really? And are you strengthening yourself? And then what are you strengthening? Making poor decisions? <laughs> already strong in that regard. Or are you moving into places you'd rather not be and strengthening where you're vague? And so if you chose something this morning where you're vague and undefined and boundless, wouldn't that be interesting? 60 minutes from now, 60 minutes from now, you have much more clarity around something that you didn't before. And use your time here retreating, because you're retreating, some of you anyways, <laughs> to gather yourself. That's what's so brilliant about retreating. You put yourself together, you refresh, you rejuvenate, to move yourself back into your life with purpose and meaning, and to solve some problems that you have in your life because you have more strength. You're less depleted. There's more of you available to draw on because you've been refreshing yourself and to make your, better, uh, make your life better as a consequence of your efforts being here. Because it was just effort getting yourself here, wasn't it? All the decisions you had to make to get yourself here, 
think some of you were locked in your condos and stuff, just making sure you could get here. It's like, I'm not going to get around anybody just in case <laughs> I'm focused to get here and good for you. And you're here. And this means something to you and that's good. And so to bridge this experience into your life back at home, I've been sharing some personal tales with you over the last couple of days and I'll share you, I'll share another one with you this morning. I'll try and put this together. One of the complaints I've had and it's a, uh, oh, they're so loud out there, aren't they? Oh my goodness. <laughs> the, one of the consistent complaints I've had in my life is that people aren't safe. People are not safe. That's one of the consistent complaints I've had in life. And so that's cost me a lot. It's cost me relationship. It's cost me feeling safe in my own skin and wanting to be out in relationship with people and out in the world. People aren't safe. That's been a consistent complaint I've had. The attention I've had on people is how do I get safety from them? I've shared that with you. What I've been attempting to extract from people is safety. And I shared that with you yesterday and how I used to do that. Very deliberate with men and very deliberate with women. I had a very unique strategy how to extract safety from other people because I couldn't generate that myself. And I couldn't do it myself and that's where I was vague, boundless and weak. There's, there is nothing I could draw on to keep myself safe in this world without moving out into the extremes. By being intimidating and threatening and controlling with men because I was concerned about physical safety and then the opposite with women. Playing shy and timid and harmless so they'd keep me around. <laughs> and if I was kept around, then I potentially could feel some safety in that. And those are the extremes that I lived in for a long time. And they're easy for me to choose in any given moment, any given day, because they're so ingrained in me. And what that cost me was trust, self-respect, all the things that are up on the top side of the board. I was just like hollow, nothing I could pull from to create that experience of safety for me. One of the benefits was I became self-sufficient. I can't rely on you, so I need to rely on myself in some ways. And so that's a strength that I've been able to manifest out of my fear of others, <laughs> to be self-sufficient, to take care of myself in some ways. But also as a consequence, what I was also reinforcing is my inability to feel safe and to experience nurturing. Because I had no capacity to nurture myself, which was a need that I had and still have a value I have to nurture myself. I had no capacity to nurture myself. I was very hard on myself. And the way in which that showed up in a relationship was with touch. I've struggled with touch all my life and still do in various different ways. I don't necessarily like being touched. And it's a concern I have. <laughs> and I've done a lot of work over this, uh, over my relationship to touch um, for a number of years. Like positioning myself in a place to be touched. And it's like, ah, this is horrifying, but I'm going to do it anyways. You know, like trying to work through the nausea and the skin crawling experience of positioning myself to be touched. 
because my experience around touch is what it was, I can even feel the emotions coming up, was that touch is, it hurts and it's harmful. That touch is like rough and hurtful. That was my relationship to touch very early on. And it's something I have to combat often, that it's a good idea that you place yourself into positions where you can be touched. Me initiating was one thing. Somebody coming at me, it's like, oh my God, I'm bracing for impact. And that's my experience. It's like, this is going to be a grand fail. <laughs> I'm not safe. Protect yourself. And it's like, just get through it kind of experience. I didn't present that way, but that was my internal experience. And very strange. Presenting, I got my shit together. I'm all cool. Everything's fine. I'm not scared. <laughs> But inside, I was horrified. And little Kevin in there was flailing around, like run, hide, hide. And that's one of the things that I've been great at in my life is hiding. Amazing. And it's, <laughs> bringing myself out of that state over and over and over again. So I could actually be in touch and feel like not only did I deserve to be nurtured, I could start nurturing myself to get myself out of this fear body experience. And that's an element of boundaries that I didn't have access to. Healthy boundaries. It was not healthy. It was not healthy. There's nothing about that that was healthy. I was rigid and tight and terrified. So bizarre to look at myself back then. And I can imagine very few people knew, maybe nobody knew that was my experience. And how strange that is. And I think that's so strange for each of us is that there's a part of us, and hopefully you can relate to this conversation in some way, like we're just terrified and don't present that way. And so healthy boundaries, the bottom board here, healthy boundaries are essentially commitments established in order to take care of yourself. And you can deepen that and say, well, it's how we feel safe. How we're seen, heard, and known in the world. Healthy boundaries are key elements of that. Safety is critical in our efforts to be seen, to be heard, and to be known in this world. And if we're not consciously pursuing these experiences, they're not just going to happen. And so we have to discern between expectations, all those damn expectations, all those expectations, which are something like wants and desires versus our needs. And needs, I like using values more than needs, your values. It's like, what are your values? It's a hell of a question. And it's a significant question because our values are what steers us in this world. And my experience of working with people is plenty of people don't understand their values. And that's how we're shapeless and boundless and flailing around at times because we don't understand our values. What's most important to us as an individual. And it's you as the individual. Your values aren't the same as your neighbor and so on and so forth. You have different values. And to establish and understand these values. Because when they're present, you're thriving. When they're not, you're getting knocked around. That's how it goes. And one of my values is nurturing and I didn't have that for most of my life and I was being knocked around and it's only when I've been able to establish this nurturing experience for myself 
self-care practice, take care of myself in a whole host of different ways. Stop relying on other people to give that to me. Did I become healthier? Strike the right blend of intention, action, and attitude. And you have to have the intention. And part of the intention is to go somewhere you don't want to go. <laughs> because there's a value you have that you're not paying attention to. That's one of the considerations. We can't constantly have all of our values in view and practicing all of them at the same time. One's very important to you. One's less important to you. And then there's a bunch in between. <laughs> Sometimes we have to shift this around. And what you may notice if you ask yourself, it's like, what are you missing right now? What's the experience you're missing in your life right now? And what's probably nestled into that answer is a value, something you're missing, whatever that may be. And if you decide, if you figured that problem out, that's the intention, go there, go there, wrap practices around it. That's the right action. And over a span of time, you have the right attitude around this particular value that's important to you. Contend with reality and confront the challenges. And there's always challenges. You, for sure, and everybody else, <laughs> and life in general, is one grand challenge after another. And to be able to contend with reality. And often we don't see reality as it is. And that's what yoga is so much about. Samadhi, clear vision. Clear vision. See things as they are, which is extraordinarily difficult. Because it's so packed full of the past and expectations, and ideology, you name it. To be able to see things, to see people as they are, very difficult. Learn to say no to yourself when you're pursuing some desire, some want that you don't actually need. You're just pursuing some meaningless pleasure. To say no, you don't need that bag of Doritos. You don't need that glass of wine. You don't need this, that. You don't need that. Get a hold of yourself. What do you actually need? You don't need that pleasure that's going to distract you. Put the joint down. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and I imagine there's some of you here that don't say no. You don't like saying no. No to yourself, no to other people. Is that a fair statement? Sometimes we have to say no and mean it. And in that is boundaries. No, 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 I'm not going to do that. That doesn't feel right to me. Those kinds of experiences to self, to others. And defining yourself as you move yourself along, be someone to contend with. I like that. Be someone to contend with strong, truthful, and resilient. When we're unbound and shapeless, we're weak. Or just like a blob. <laughs> and it's very difficult to be strong, truthful, and resilient from that state, from that space. It's almost impossible. And so that leads us to high order integration. Humbly convinced of your own competence and ability to prevail. Which you don't necessarily believe. Isn't that interesting? This is the part of us that don't actually, we don't believe in ourselves. We don't trust ourselves. We don't respect ourselves. That's the reality of it. And that's a significant piece of us. To convince yourself that you're competent to take on yourself, to take on relationships, to take on the world. And most importantly, perhaps, 
is to take on your values in a meaningful way. That you shape yourself in the way in which you need to shape. You can say, well, why would I want to do that? Because everything is at stake. Everything. And how easy it would be for you to stay the same. And that's more likely than anything, that you're just going to stay the same. You're not going to confront what you need to confront. And then the idea is don't do that to yourself. <laughs> to pull on something you haven't been pulling on, and that's one of your values. One of your values. Pull on it. And to build practices around it so you become strong, truthful, and resilient. Because without that, you cannot be that. That's the problem. And so that's how some of these things tied together. We often complain to get some attention from someone, 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 give me something I don't have, which doesn't work out so well for us. It actually keeps us weak and in a weakened state versus strong, knowing ourselves, self-sufficient, understanding our values. And that's the point of this practice. That's what's in front of you for the next 60 minutes. To say what you need to say, ha, barf it out of you. Whatever you need to say, say it out loud. And then you have something to work with. can't tell you how many people I've worked with that don't say what they need to say. And I can relate to that because that's how I led my life, most of my life, and how difficult it is to say what we need to say. And the first step is to get it out, and then you start shaping it. And shape it in a way that people can actually hear it. That requires skill. Barfing on somebody is one part of it. <laughs> then it's like, okay, now I need to shape this thing so people can actually hear it and relate to it. I can turn this into a conversation. And so that's why the focus here on the throat, the base of the throat, to open this up, to open this up. That you deserve nurturing, to give yourself exactly what you know you need, to do that for yourself. And so then the question for you to make this that much more real what do you feel you need? What do you feel you've not been giving yourself that you could start giving yourself like today? <laughs> that would be a value. One of your values. What, what could that be? Anybody have an answer to that? Say it again. Compassion. Great. Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Honesty, very good. Thank you for that. Yeah. All great values for sure. Anybody else? Yeah. Tenderness. Hmm. That sounds nice. Just saying it out loud. Yeah. Tenderness. Yes. Play. Great. Yeah. Play. All these interesting values that sometimes we undervalue. <laughs> One of the great challenges is to peel ourselves away from our strengths. We rely on our strengths every day, all of the time. And so it's like, I'm gonna rely on my strength because I know what I'm gonna get It's predictable. If I rely on this, this is what I'm gonna get. Some semblance of success. And that's why we typically avoid where we're weak. It's a threat. It's the recipe for failure, but to go there anyways. And this will take you some time to sort out, but that's a good thing. Because what you're building is skill. Maybe it takes you a week, two weeks, a month, a couple of years, a lifetime. Who knows? <laughs> and it will. 
And that's a good thing. So today is the practice. Let it be meaningful, rich. I look forward to meeting you on the other side of it to see who you've become. And that's the idea. Become something. All right, everybody. Nice to be with you. Thanks for listening. This complex topic of boundaries. Into the practice we go.